0: This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozo, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with wildlife and wilderness advocates relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and all across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. So, uh, today we are interviewing Leonel, Leonel Arguello, the super, Deputy Superintendent of Redwoods National Park. Leonel has been in the position for four months, although he's worked for the NPS at Redwoods National Park for many years. Prior to becoming Deputy Superintendent, he worked in the Resource Management and Science Division, starting as a seasonal botanist and working his way up to Division Program Manager. Leonel has lived in the Humboldt Bay Area of California since 1983, when he started his studies at Humboldt State University, earning a BSD degree in ecology, evolution, and systematics, and a master's in botany from Humboldt State. He and his wife, Laura, enjoy exploring the natural wonders of the North Coast of California with their two dogs. So welcome, Lionel. It's great to be talking to you, finally. So uh appreciate your uh, willingness to talk with us today. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you uh, reaching out and, uh, and setting up this conversation. Great. So, we're going to find out about Redwoods. So, uh, tell us where it's located and when it was established. Sure, sure. So, um,
1: uh, folks here who live locally uh, around the parks like to say that we are located behind the Redwood Curtain.
0: We are <laughs> in the
1: far northwest corner of California. Um, uh-huh. Basically, the northern part of the park is um, is within a, a half-hour drive of the Oregon uh, State Line. Uh-huh. so uh located in in Crescent City and then the the southern part is about a half hour's drive north of Humboldt Bay um and so we and we occupy uh the coastal strip area of California that's our park stretches for about uh, 35 to to 40 miles long uh-huh. so it reaches a little bit to the southeast in the southern part um, and we were established in 19 19- 68, and uh, expanded with the Redwood Act in 1978, uh-huh. and uh, the uh, Congress um, identified the the park uh, as meriting um, uh, this land is meriting national park status because of the the unique
0: resource that we have, um,
1: the the tall coastal old growth redwood forest.
0: Uh-huh. So why was it considered worthy of a national park status? Congress designate made the designation, right?
1: Yeah, it was it was it was uh, it's a, it was a congressional act that designated um, this area um, as a national park, and and essentially it was to preserve the remnants of old growth redwoods that were left after. Uh, or during, actually, at the time in 1968, during the industrial timber uh, you know, logging era that was um, removing and converting a lot of the old-growth redwood uh, into, um, into products to be used in our society. And um, Congress identified a portion of Redwood Creek and, and other areas uh, as needing protection. And and um, and so they established the national park to protect these last remnant stands of oak Grove.
0: Well, I remember it was a big deal when uh, Mrs. Johnson went out there and and uh, <laughs> yeah. for the park designation.
1: That's right. That's right. The uh, the uh, the ceremony designating the park in 1968 occurred in what we now call the Lady Bird Johnson's Grove, and uh, Lady Bird was uh, gave a. A speech there during the, the dedication. And it was attended by, um, uh, of course, the president um, and, and his cabinet secretaries, as well as uh, Governor Ronald Reagan at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, Yeah, it was it was a big deal. It, uh, the podium was set up in the old growth forest and, um, you know, lots of folks were invited and it was a long struggle to create this park. Um, the, the first the first legislation it introduced into Congress actually occurred in 1911. Oh, wow. so um, it 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 was a long time coming, and sadly, um, it's unfortunate that we did not, uh, you know, Congress did not act early enough to provide for a um, a, a national park earlier. But we got the park in 1960, mm-hmm. and, and again, it ended in 1978
0: and it's been designated as a World Heritage Site by the United Nations. What does that mean? Yeah, so uh,
1: UNESCO identifies uh, sites of global importance and um, that have either some natural or cultural uh, resource uh, that is is so significant uh, that... Uh, that they identify it and and provide nomination for it to be identified and listed under their uh, UNESCO World Heritage program. And we how? Ha- mm-hmm. Go ahead now. Okay, we were inscribed in 1980, and uh-huh. it was the identification of the values of the oak growth uh, as a unique global resource. Um, oh. I don't know if your your listeners know this or not, but but essentially. Uh, redwoods only occupy a strip of of uh, land from southwest corner of Oregon right. down to a little bit south of Central Coast California, uh-huh. just south of San,
0: right, right, and,
1: and, and along the coastline, basically a little bit inland, maybe a, you know a, a few tens of miles inland, you'll find redwoods, but not very far inland. Mm-hmm. And uh, originally, two million acres uh, of old growth, you know, mm-hmm. occurred. Um, now there's only 90,000 acres of old growth mm-hmm. of left That two million acres of, of redwood the rest has been cut over mm-hmm. um, So the uniqueness of old growth redwoods is pretty high in the world and UNESCO the UN program uh, identified um, RNSP as part of the um, part of its program in order to preserve and
0: and inscribe it into the, the system as
1: Preserving old
0: growth redwood forest. Well, have redwoods been cut back from what they originally, where they originally uh, extended? Yeah, they, they haven't. We haven't lost
1: any ground, uh, if, you know. And its original, well, okay, the original footprint, as we know it, is about two million acres.
0: Uh-huh. And that's
1: at, there's still redwoods growing in there. I'm, I don't want to suggest that the range is shrinking because of logging. That's not the case uh-huh. at all. Uh huh. Logging is is simply providing a a resource for for people to use redwood material. And what's been lost, though, is the old growth. You Uh cannot cover old growth because it takes hundreds of years to recover. Right. And so once you cut it, you no longer have it, and you can't grow it back in 30, 40, 50 years. So uh, it takes time to recover that. So protecting the last, Stands of old-growth redwood was identified pretty early on in California. Three state parks, um, well, more than three, but three up here in northern uh, northwest corner of California were uh-huh. um, were created by the California State Park System in the 1920s, and they protected about 20,000 acres of old growth in three state parks. Um, and so the national park came along in the 1960s and expanded in the 1970s to double that and create this, uh, this area of national and state parks that preserve about 40,000 acres um, of, of coastal old-growth redwood forest. So what is As the... There are... Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, I was just going to say, to our south, there are other smaller stands of old-growth redwoods that are um, protected by the Bureau of Land Management. California State Parks has additional old-growth redwood parks, basically from uh, going south from Redwood National Park southward, uh, all the way down to Big Basin. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. about in total ninety thousand acres of old-growth redwood in the range of, of, of the redwood
0: in the mm-hmm. redwood range. So what does it mean that uh, that you're now enjoined in some way with? Uh, three other California state parks, Jedediah Smith, Del Norte, and Prairie Creek Redwoods.
1: Yeah, so those three state parks, as I mentioned, were established in the 1920s and the national park in the 1960s. Uh, The original intent was for those three parks to be uh, converted and and transferred over to the national park, creating one single national park. That did not happen. uh, And uh, in the 1990s, the... The national parks and the California state parks got together recognizing that we share in common resources, both natural and cultural resources in this area of three state parks and one national park. And it would be best for us to join forces and, and co-manage in a very unified way to provide for a seamless, uh, uh, presentation to visitors and to provide efficiency uh, uh, in operations in park operations and so we started uh, we created a, 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 a cooperative management agreement and where we can share in uh, staffing and, and other resources to protect this amalgam of four parks one national park and three state parks that we now call Redwood national and state parks that's the mm-hmm. that's the name given to this It doesn't mean that the national park and the state parks give up jurisdiction and we don't follow policies of the federal government or the state government, depending on where actions are being taken. We do, but we try to manage in a seamless, integrated way uh, Uh, for for high efficiency.
0: So the superintendent of Redwoods National Park uh, does not have administrative responsibilities across the border into the state parks.
1: Yeah, we 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 have a, a California State Parks um, a district superintendent and um, and a deputy district superintendent assigned to Redwood National State Parks, along with the national park superintendent, and I'm the deputy superintendent for the national parks, and so those four uh, positions uh, work together to manage the Redwood National Parks
0: parks there are two indian reservations that are in the vicinity the yurok and the hoopa indian reservations uh is there any interrelationship between those reservations and their people and uh are, are those people involved with the uh, the parks so
1: so let me back up a bit it's, it's actually there are, there are Redwood National Park uh, lays on the ancestral territories of three tribal groups. The Tolowa peoples in the north, the Yurok peoples, um, in the, kind of in the middle to the south, and the Cholula people that were in Redwood Creek.
0: Uh-huh. Now those, n- not the
1: Hoopah, the Hoopah outside of the actual land, land boundary of the Redwood National State Parks. Uh uh-huh. And, uh, we do, um, these people, with the exception of the Cholula tribe, which uh, were merged into the into the Hoopla Reservation back in the 1800s, mm-hmm. um, we we do collaborate and we consult with the Tolowa uh, tribal groups. There are, there are three entities within the Tolowa peoples: the Smith River Rancheria, the Elk Valley Rancheria, and the and the Tolowa Dene. And then, uh, and four entities within the York tribe, the York tribe itself, and three rancherias, Rezzighini, Big Lagoon, and Trinidad. And we consult with all seven of those for any of the federal actions we undertake within this park. Um, and, and that, that includes state park lands if there is a federal nexus involved. For example, if there's federal dollars to, on a project on state land, we consult with these tribes, um, at, for everything we do. And, and that's just part of, of, you know, the tribal people are still here. They're still vibrant societies. The Yurok Tribe has the largest enrollment of, of members in California. Uh, you know, they, we we work with them because they care about their ancestral home, and they, they want the, the parks to uh, work with them to, to maximize protection and restoration um, and, and access for them for their ceremonial needs.
0: Uh-huh. So you've been on the uh, staff at Redwoods for a long, long time. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah. What's your primary area of interest? You have a master's in botany. Is uh, do you consider yourself a botanist or general biologist what? Well, <laughs> well, I've been
1: at the park since uh, since 1988. Uh, so uh, I've made my career here
0: uh-huh.
1: five years counting. Yes, I, I did get my degree in botany, my master's, and I and I focused originally the first 12, 13 years of my my career here at this park in in vegetation uh, management and in in uh, in botany. Um, but but since then I, I've moved up um, into more supervision and management, and now as a deputy superintendent, my my interest really lies in the uh, effective management of this park and bringing, bringing my long history of working here at Ritton National State Parks to the management team that has, all, you know, responsibility and, and obligation to, to manage our parks' cultural and natural resources and to provide for visitor enjoyment in a way that, that is most efficient and effective. And so uh, we have a great management team of, of folks with that are new, bringing new ideas and new thought. And... And old dogs like me who've been around here for a long time, who um, who, and together we work we work well to to try and, and uh, effectively run this park. And that's where my interests lie, is is in the effective management and restoration. We we do a lot of restoration in this park, and uh, I know we're going to talk about that here right. too, But but the restoration um, of the of our 132,000 acre park, approximately. Um A hundred and twenty thousand of that is is coniferous forest. forty thousand is um old growth redwood, as I mentioned already uh-huh. eighty thousand cut over lands lands that were logged uh prior to the park the parks acquiring uh-huh. the land and it's in these areas that we're doing restoration
0: so uh the parks are a real attraction i gather I gather you're quite crowded in the summertime, is that right?
1: Yeah, we are. We're, we're, um, we're, uh, pretty much, uh, stuffed with visitors. You know, we, we have visitors coming from all over the world to come see the old growth redwoods. To, to capture that perfect photo of, you know,
0: rhododendrons
1: blooming and, uh, old growth trees behind it with fog and sunbeams. You know, that's just the classic photo that is, uh, everyone tries to get and you can find that here in our park. Uh-huh. Um, we have, you know, estimated one point two to one point three million uh, visitors uh, per year, and, mm-hmm. and again, we're only one hundred thirty thousand acres, one hundred thirty-two thousand right. acre park, um, and, and so it's a lot. And we have we have about two hundred miles of trails that people can can walk on. Uh-huh. Um, we have five uh, developed campsites that offer about three hundred and thirty-two uh, campsites. And we also offer five uh, backcountry sites
0: that mm-hmm. offer
1: 32, and then we open up um, our uh, Redwood Creek gravel bar to 50 campers per night.
0: Oh, so there's
1: nice. plenty of opportunities for folks to come and recreate and uh, enjoy. Um, and the things that people can do while they're here is, you know, uh, our our uh, our park is is. I wouldn't say mountainous in the sense of, of high mountains, but we're in, the, we're in the coastal mountains where, you know, we have dramatic bluffs that shoot out of the Pacific Ocean for hundreds of feet upwards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we have, uh, that's where, you know, you'll find the coniferous Forest and Old growth. The coastline is dramatic. We have 35 miles of coastline. It's pretty undisturbed in terms of, of, um, development. Uh, we have, uh, Elevations up to 3,000 feet where you can get above the coniferous forest and into the prairies and oak growth, uh, coastal grasslands and, and oak woodlands, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and from there you can
0: have 360
1: degree views of, of, uh, the surrounding environment of Humboldt County and Denmark
0: So there are two major rivers, uh, in the park, uh, or adjacent to it, uh, Talk about those, uh, and I would assume that the tribal groups have a real interest in fishing in those rivers.
1: (laughs) Yes, Uh, actually, we have three. We have three uh, major uh, uh, waterways flowing through the park. Uh, So, from north to south, is the uh, the undammed Smith River, a wild and scenic uh, river, and and really the crown jewel of of that wild and scenic Mm -hmm. program because of its its undammed and and the park, and it runs through a portion of the park at the north end. Um, beautiful, it, it it winds through our old growth where we have our Jededai Smith campground. Uh, beautiful place to camp, and uh, and then walk to down to the Smith River. Uh, great fishing, the steelhead fishing on the Smith River is outstanding, and um, and so it is a draw for for lots of folks
0: mm-hmm. who,
1: uh, to to in, in the during the season.
0: Then in the middle
1: of the park is the Klamath River. Now, we have just a very small, just basically the estuary of the Klamath River. Mm-hmm. The Klamath River flows for 257 miles, and we just got the estuary portion
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, where it flows out into the ocean. But that is where the Yurok tribe um, um, really is involved in, in a harvest of salmon that come into the estuary there. Um, and so a very important river system and... Um, and and the, really the lifeblood for the Yurok tribe, um, uh, the Clams River is. And then south, uh, the south end of the park is Redwood Creek, much smaller order of a class of of waterway, um, and that is where most of the national park land bases.
0: Geology. Uh, uh, I assume that there's uh, some seismic activity up there, and uh, yeah. tell us about tsunamis too.
1: Yeah, yeah, there. Uh, so, so
0: seismically, we are sitting on
1: the uh, the edge of the Cascadia subduction zone, and that that subduction zone uh, runs from a little bit south of the park um, at, from the, from Cape Mendocino. Which is south of Humboldt uh, Bay, and runs for about uh, 600 miles north up to the Vancouver Island in BC. Mm-hmm. And um, that subduction zone has generated um, some pretty uh, significant earthquakes. The last one, it, it, the last one was recorded or unrecorded, but but um, um, we know that it occurred was in, in 1700. The year 1700,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: because of the uh, the recordings in Japan of an orphan tsunami, a, a 30-foot tsunami arriving, um, you know, and and based on on sediment studies done here, uh, that was the last known uh, rupture of the Cascadia subduction zone. Mm-hmm. But we've had many smaller earthquakes in our area, and and our our parks is is rife with uh, fault lines. So it is a seismically active area. Uh, of course, being a coastline, we also receive tsunamis from distant uh, locations. The last one, last significant one, was in 2011 uh, from Japan, uh, that that came and impacted the, uh, the Crescent City Harbor uh, in the north part of the park.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and of course, in 1964 was the Great Alaskan earthquake that also impacted. Um, the shoreline up in the north part of the park mm. um, so so yes we have a lot of earthquakes that's that's part of the life of living in california um and um and you know it, thankfully they're not a regular occurrence but but we are all prepared uh, for dealing with them to the best that we
0: can uh uh-huh. well uh the, uh, the Cascadia subduction zone is part of the uh, Juan de Fuca plate. Is that correct?
1: So Yeah. So there are three. That, so th- that Cascadia subduction zone is is uh, it's the boundary between the North American plate, which is moving towards the southwest, and it, it's it's uh, it's up against the remnants of a larger plate called the Farallon plate. Uh-huh. The Farallon plate uh, is now mm-hmm. mostly subducted already under North America plate. Right. But what's left behind are three smaller plates, the Gorda at the south end, the Juan de Fuca in the middle, and the Explorer plate up by Vancouver Island. Mm. Those three smaller plates, the remnants of the larger Farallon plate, are what is being pushed, is being squeezed between the North American plate and the Pacific plate, and the Pacific plate is moving to the northwest. And these little three remnant Plates are being shoved up against uh, the, the inbounding North American plate, and as they subduct under the North American plate, uh, they create tension along that boundary. And every now and again, the North American plate snaps and releases its tension, which creates the the the, earth, the megathrust earthquakes and resulting in and tsunamis up to you know sixty feet um, that can run up many miles inland.
0: Do you have any uh, fault lines that run through the park? Yeah, yeah. We have, we have several in the south, uh, the Grogan
1: Fault, uh, which defines really the, the, uh, the two sides of Redwood Creek.
0: Mm-hmm. Basically
1: runs along, uh, the Redwood Creek runs along the Grogan Fault. And, um, and we had a few earthquakes just a couple of years ago uh, on mm-hmm. the Grogan Fault, a uh, uh-huh. small one in the, the four-point uh, magnitude range. Have you had any
0: land movement?
1: Well, the, there was um, – so there, the USGS studies land movement. Uh, we have uh, monitoring sites established in the park um, that uh, track movement of the land using, uh, using satellite. Um, and so the, there is movement. There's movement based on the fact that we are part of that whole Cascadia subduction complex. And so um, so they're tracking it. There is movement. Know that that is because the, the tensions continue to rise as, as those uh, Gorda and Juan de Fuca plates offshore here subduct under the North American plate.
0: Uh-huh. Uh So since we're talking about the, uh, the the what's happening along the coast, I gather there are tide pools all along your the shoreline. I wouldn't say all along, but we do have about
1: four to five tide pools four to five tide poles that are um, that are accessible uh, for folks a lot of the coastline is really uh, inaccessible and so um, um, but there are about four or five that, that we um, that we look at we have an inventory monitoring program the Park Service does and we work with uh, UC Santa Cruz in, oh. in, in providing for inventory of those uh, tide poles.
0: Uh-huh. Sad, but there is there is uh there are points of access where people can go down and visit the tide pools. Oh yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. what do they pull out of what do they pull out of the tide pools? What do they pull out of them? Yeah. Well, Starfish. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> right. nobody's pulling anything out of the tide pool. <laughs> um,
1: but, but with are you know, in the, in the tide pools, you're going to find, you know, giant anemones, uh, ochre sea stars, um, California mussels, keyhole limpets, uh-huh. um, acorn vessels, uh, purple shore crabs, uh, some sculpins, you'll find some small sculpins and many other critters that, that occur in there.
0: All right. Well, Lionel, we have, uh, finished the first half of, uh of our interview. So, uh, we're going to have to close it off today because we've run out of time, but, uh, we'll do, we'll do another interview for next week and, uh, and, uh, talk about the wildlife and, and other features of the park. So thanks very much for talking with us today and uh, we'll be back and talk with you again. Our guest today has been Leonel Arguillo, Deputy Superintendent of Redwoods National Park up in northwestern California. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to js-wilderness.com and see additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.